Welcome friend, I'm Rick Pasquale. Thank you for joining us today. I believe God has a word for you. I know God loves you and has a plan for your life. So listen to this live service and let God speak to you. Well, it's uh, again that we turn our attention to this month's theme, which is the place of transformation. A place of transformation, and our theme is helping us to focus on what is known as the mountain of transfiguration. When Jesus was transfigured, and Peter, James, and John were with them and with him there, as Jesus was transfigured and his glory shone, and he spoke with Moses and Elijah, and the voice of the Father came from heaven. As we're examining this, we're seeing what it means to us and how this particular event was so meaningful to us today. And then also, it gives us the encouragement for ourselves to be transformed into the image of Jesus. Now, the Industrial Revolution and the Information Age over the last 150 or so years has transformed some of the ways we live our lives. One of the ways that the Industrial Revolution transformed us is in travel. Until the Industrial Revolution and the invention of the airplane, if you wanted to travel between continents, you would have to get on a ship or on a train, and it might take you weeks or months to go from Europe to Africa or to the United States or to the Philippines. But the, uh, the Industrial Age came along, the plane was invented, developed, and now we can fly between continents with relative speed and comfort. So not only was there the industrial level revolution that changed the way we travel, but uh, in the last 40, 50 years, the advancement of the information age. How many of you, you have family that lives on uh, another continent? You have a family who lives on another continent. Isn't that amazing? Because in today's information age, you can talk to them regularly, and if you have a good internet connection, you can talk to them for free. What used to be communication by letter, anybody remember a letter? Yeah, a piece of paper, a pen, you wrote it, you put a stamp on it. Uh, last year when we were here in Rome, or maybe two summers ago, we had a friend that she said to us, the one thing that I want you to do for me, uh, we have four children and a grandchild, and often they give us a list of souvenirs they want. They say, while you're in Rome, could you bring me back? Uh, but this friend said to us, the only thing I'd like for you to do is just send me a postcard from Rome. So April and I picked out a postcard, and then we went to the postal office. And we said, we want to send this back to the United States, back to the state of Georgia. And I thought I was going to have to get a loan to pay for the postage to go from Italy back to Georgia. And by the way, we got there long before that postcard. We were already back in the States. But uh, the information age, we can now talk instantly with people around the world. It has transformed the way we communicate. And in the same way, I have loved being a father because I have enjoyed watching the transformation of my children and my granddaughter. It's amazing to watch them as they go from infant to child, child to teenager, and then from teenager to adult. 
I've loved watching my children go from awkward and uncoordinated where it seemed like their legs would never work properly to being confident and poised. I've watched the transformation of my children go from immature and needy to mature and capable. It's a wonderful transformation that we see in people, isn't it? And then as a pastor now for all these years, I, I love watching the transformation in people. I've watched as non-believers become devoted Christ followers. I've walked alongside people who were doubters and they turned into people of strong faith. I've seen people go from bitter and angry to kind and forgiving, from sick to healthy and from bondage to habits and destructive life patterns to free, productive, and pursuing holiness people. I've seen them in short go from death to life. But I've also met people that thought they could not be transformed. I've met people who think that they have gone too far, that God's power and strength can't reach them. But today I have great news. And this is that great news that Jesus can transform you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus has the power and the desire to transform your life into his image. So today our scripture for the month, we've read earlier, but it's in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 2. Before we read it again, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your love for us. As we approach your word now, we ask your Holy Spirit that you will help us to hear what you are saying to us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew 17, 2. Would you read it out loud with me, please? There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Will you turn to the person beside you and tell them, I'm glad you're in church with me. Now turn to the other person, the one you really like, and tell them, I'm glad you're in church with me. Amen. Today I want you to just make sure, if you don't take anything else, that you take home with you the concept that I can be transformed in the presence of Jesus. I want to go back to this passage, and I know it's a little lengthy, but I would like to read verses 1 through 13 as we set the full scene for our conversation today. Matthew chapter 17, beginning verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Verse 10, the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus said, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. 
But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. So this morning, as we see this amazing scene, I want to make two quick observations. The first one is I want to talk to you and just explain again a little of what we talked about last week of the significance of the Mount of Transfiguration and the truth that on the mountain Jesus was transfigured. Verse 2 says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. The great preacher from uh, a couple of hundred years ago, John Wesley, wrote these words about the transformation. He said, The indwelling deity darted out its rays through the veil of the flesh, and that was such transcendent splendor that he no longer bore the form of a servant. His face shone with divine majesty like the sun in its strength, and all his body was so irritated by it that his clothes could not conceal its glory, but he became white and glittering as a very light, in which he covered himself as with a garment. You see, the Mount of Transfiguration is important because we see Jesus as he really is, not as a babe in a manger, not as a great teacher walking along the seashore, not as a crucified Lord on the cross, but we see him as he is. We see the glory of Jesus unveiled. We see the power of Jesus revealed and the sonship of Jesus affirmed. Now, it's in this amazing scene that the apostle Peter speaks up as no one else could. Have you ever been around one of those folks that just whatever they think comes out of their mouth? Have you ever been with people who you don't have to think or wonder what they're thinking because they're going to tell you? If you've never been around one of those people, maybe it's because you're that person. And Peter was that guy. And in this amazing scene where he's seeing a supernatural transformation of Jesus, he's seeing a manifestation of Elijah as well as Moses. Peter says, ooh, 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 I have an idea. I can't imagine that. Then in the presence of all of this glory and wonder, Peter is compelled to get involved. But here's the second observation. And Peter makes it clear for us. He says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And what that means to us today is that it is good for us to be in the presence of the transfigured Jesus. That it's good for you and me in 2019 to be in the presence of the transfigured Jesus. To see him not as a baby in a manger or a wounded suffering savior, but to see him in all of his glory and his majesty. Certainly John was marked by the Mount of Transfiguration. He writes in John chapter 1, verse 14, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The apostle Peter was certainly marked by the event of the Mount of Transfiguration. For he wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, that he received honor and glory from God our Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And Peter goes on to write, we, had, we ourselves heard this, the voice that came from heaven, when we were with him on the sacred mountain. 
this small passage of scripture about Jesus being transfigured is so impactful for us today. When I see Jesus as he truly is, when I see him in his glory, in his majesty, then that can become the place where I am transformed. I'm not sure today what you have brought with you in terms of need. I'm not sure today what you have brought with you in terms of the way you see yourself or, or what is happening in your life. In a room this size, surely there are great needs. In a room this size, there are situations that seem like nothing good can come out of them. But you see, it is in the presence of the glorified, majestic Jesus that our lives, too, can be transformed. So the good news today is whatever needs to be changed in your life, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are here to change it. Whatever needs to happen, God has the power and the plan to transform our lives. So I want to talk for a few minutes about how that happens. That when we're in the presence of the glorified Lord, we can be transformed when we hear the voice of the Father. Verses 5 and 6, in the middle of this scene, the voice comes from heaven that says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now here's what I've discovered in my life, and maybe you have as well, that when we really find ourselves in the presence of the Lord, in a magnificent, marvelous way. And if we begin to hear his voice, sometimes that can be overwhelming, can't it? Peter, James, and John, who know Jesus intimately, who have walked with him, have heard all of he has to say about the Father. When they hear the Father's voice, the Bible says that they fell face down on the ground, terrified. You see, sometimes when we hear the voice of the Lord, it can be overwhelming. And it's not only so for us, but it was that way for the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, there's just an amazing scene where God is speaking to the entire nation of Israel. And the people said, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty. And we have heard his voice from the fire. Today, we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. But now, why should we die this great fire will consume us and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. The children of Israel, <laughs> from this moment on, they say to Moses, Moses, you go talk to God and then you come back and tell us what God said. Because we find sometimes the presence of the Father is overwhelming. But there's good news for us today. We can talk with the Father because of Jesus. You see, our God is not afar off paying no attention to us. Our God is not somewhere indifferent, just waiting for time to wind down to do what he's going to do next. But our Father loves us, and because of Jesus, his Son, we can speak with him today. John chapter 15, uh, John chapter 16, excuse me. Is that 15? Let me put my glasses back on. Don't laugh. Someday you may need them too. Oh, 16, there we go. John 16 says, in that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. Can we just pause there for a moment? Will you say, my Father loves me? My father loves me. Oh, doesn't that feel good? Say it again. My Father loves me. Now let's make it a little more personal. My heavenly Father loves me. Come on. My heavenly Father loves me. 
You see, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that we're invited to have a conversation with the Almighty. It's amazing how we want to talk to everyone else other than him, isn't it? Then when we have circumstances in our life, we'll go to our mama, we'll go to our daddy, we'll go to our brother, we'll go to our sister. We'll go to a colleague, we'll go to someone we know. When all the time, the creator of the universe who said, let there be light and there was, is available for us to talk to him. Listen, if you need to know something about our house and the going on of our house, you can ask me a question. And I'm going to say to you, go ask April. Because our home and our house is her domain. So often my kids will come to me and they'll say, Dad, can you, can we? And I'll say to them, go ask your mama. Now, every dad in this room knows that, right? Uh, every dad in this room knows that if before we make any choices or decisions, particularly when it comes to those kids, we better go ask mama. So I eventually train them, listen, don't come ask me, just go directly to the source. Because if you come to me, I have to go to her or we have to go together. You see, so many of us, we're going to all these other places where we can go directly to the source. Jesus says the Father loves you, so you can ask in my name. You can ask, Matthew 6, 9 says, this is how you should pray. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, our Father in heaven. You see, because of Jesus' glory and majesty, we can be transformed because we can hear the voice of the Father, just like Peter, James, and John. But because of his glory and majesty, we can be transformed because Jesus will touch us. That I am touched by Jesus. They fell frightened, terrified. And Jesus doesn't leave them there. Jesus doesn't just leave them alone. But the Bible says in verse 7 that Jesus came and touched them. Listen, I have to tell you that the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life are the moments that Jesus touches me. The times that I am elevated to a new level with God and even within my natural life are the moments that Jesus reaches out and touches me. You see, because his touch heals. Luke chapter 5 says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along, with, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I love this next phrase. He said, I am willing. You see, Jesus is here today, and he is willing to touch us. He's willing to touch us at our core need. He is willing to touch the circumstances of our life. So Jesus says, listen, I am willing to be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. I love when I receive the touch of Jesus, I am transformed because his touch restores us. Mark chapter 8, verse 25 says, Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were open. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. You see, we need to be touched by Jesus because it is in his presence when he touches us that our lives are restored. Have you ever noticed how life sometimes breaks you down? Sometimes that which we hold is special and dear is broken or lost. But Jesus comes along and touches us and restores all things. 
And then his touch will calm us. Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples. You probably know the story. And that Judas made this agreement with the Pharisees that I will take you to Jesus and the man whom I kiss, that is the man that you are to arrest. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that's exactly what happened. You can imagine that this becomes a chaotic scene. You can imagine that in this moment that uh, there's all sorts of commotion. And in Luke chapter 22, verses 29 to 51, we read these words. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Do you get the scene? You get the scene? Judas has come to betray Jesus. And his disciples are saying, Lord, should we protect you? Should we defend you? <laughs> and one of them, and we know later from another gospel, that it's the apostle Peter, that Peter takes out his sword and he cuts off a man's ear. Now, I want to submit to you that Peter was not aiming for his ear. Right? Peter wasn't trying to cut off his ear. Peter took out a sword to defend his Lord, and he swung that sword to kill the man who was going to arrest him. The man dodged and sliced his ear. It's a commotion that had to be just full of all sorts of energy and confusion, and Jesus calms the situation. Notice what Jesus did. But Jesus answered, no more of this. No more of this. He calms the situation. He touched the man's ear, and he healed him. You see, today we need to remember that it's important that we stand in the presence of the glorified Lord because when we do, I can be transformed by his touch. His touch gives us life. Luke chapter 7, Jesus encounters a funeral procession. There's a mom that has one son who has died, and they are going to the cemetery to bury that son. It says that Jesus went up and touched the buyer there, carrying him, they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. Now, have you ever seen a hopeless situation? We'll talk about this in a moment. But the young man is dead, and he's in the coffin. And Jesus comes to that scene, and he touches the casket that the man's being carried. And he says to the casket, get up. And the young man gets up and is brought back to life. You need the touch of Jesus in your life. I need the touch of Jesus in my life. Bill Gaither some years ago wrote the words to a song that we used to sing often that says, He touched me, oh, how he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. You see, when we're in the glorified presence of the Lord, we can be transformed because we can accept the encouragement of Jesus. Verse 7, not only does Jesus touch them when they're afraid, but he says to them, get up and don't be afraid. You ever needed somebody to encourage you? Have you ever needed someone to just come along and say, atta boy, atta girl? Have you ever needed someone to just come along and just pick you up and say, listen, you can do it. Take another step. Go another day. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus encourages us when life is frightening. In John chapter 6, we read the story of a strong wind was blowing on the waters, and they grew rough, and Jesus comes along to them and says, don't be afraid. If you will listen, if you'll see the glorified Lord, he will encourage you when life is frightening. 
Have you ever seen life become frightening? Sometimes life is frightening when you receive a phone call from the doctor after you've been to visit him. Sometimes life is frightening when your teenagers begin to live in ways that are unhealthy and you're not sure if they will ever get back on track. Sometimes life is frightening when your company where you have been working for years suddenly declares that they're going to lay off workers and even close a facility. You see, we need to understand that when life is uh, frightening that Jesus will come along and encourage us. Jesus will encourage us when we are hopeless. When there is no possibility of things getting better. I just love this about Jesus. Jesus has the power to transform us, even if that requires some resurrection. Even if that requires that he does something that no one could or would do before. Mark chapter 5, there's a leader who's come to Jesus. His name is Jairus, and he says, come quickly, my daughter is sick. And while they were on their way, news comes from Jairus' house. And they say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. The Bible says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Today, can you hear Jesus saying to you, don't be afraid, just believe. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever circumstance you're seeing, don't be afraid, just believe. If you continue reading that story, what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to the house. He raises the girl from the dead and gives her back to her father. My God has the power to raise some things that are dead in my life. How about you? My God has the power that some things that are gone and we think can never change or be transformed, that he can speak life into them and suddenly what was dead now comes to life. We accept the encouragement of Jesus when God changes my plans. Anybody ever had God change your plans? Let's do a little survey, shall we? Those of you who are not born in Italy, but you now reside in Italy, how many of you plan from the very beginning of your thought process, one day I'm going to live in Italy? I see no one. How many of you recognize that God changed your plans and you ended up living in Rome? Yeah. Yeah, you see, God messes with us that way, doesn't he? But he always has. You see, we think we have our life planned. We know exactly how it's going to work. We know when we're going to go, what we're going to do. And God comes along and says, I have a new plan for your life. Probably not any better example of a new plan for your life than in Luke chapter 5. I'm sorry. Yeah, Luke chapter 5. When Jesus sees... Peter, James, John, and Andrew fishing. They're professional fishermen. They have their life planned. They've started a business. They're doing well. And Jesus comes along and he says, I will make you fishers of men. Don't be afraid. You see, when God begins to change our plan, sometimes it's frightening. But we need to recognize that Jesus is the one who can transform it for us. Don't be afraid. Receive the encouragement when people persecute you, when non-believers persecute you. Luke 10, Jesus says, do not be afraid of them. And then when God begins to use us for his purpose, receive the encouragement of Jesus. Luke chapter 1, there was a young girl named Mary, middle teenager at best, 15, 14, maybe 16 years old, that has her life planned. She's going to marry a guy named Joseph. 
Joseph's a good man. Joseph is preparing for their life together. And an angel shows up and says, Mary, I have good news of great joy for you. You're going to have the Son of God. And immediately she begins to see a new purpose for her life. Her purpose prior to that was I'm going to marry Joseph and I'm going to be a good wife. I'm going to be for Joseph everything that Joseph needs. But now God comes on the scene and announces that she will become the mother, the earthly mother of Jesus, the Emmanuel, the one who is God with us. The angel said to her in Luke 1, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You see, when we get into the presence of the glorified, magnificent Lord, we need to embrace his instructions. Verse 9, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. It's what he told Peter, James, and John. We see that obeying Jesus' instructions is wise. In Mark 7, he says, Those, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus' instructions are life-giving. John 6, 63 says, As the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and of life. We need to recognize and understand that we need to receive, accept, and embrace the words of Jesus into our lives. That just as he gave the instructions to his disciples that he is still instructing us today. We receive this instruction through the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 says all scripture is inspired or all scripture is God breathed. It's the same connotation that God used in Genesis when he says, and he breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul. You see, we need to receive the instruction of Jesus through the Bible and then through the Holy Spirit. John 14 but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things that will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then the last thing I see in this passage today is that Jesus, we can be transformed when we understand the teaching of Jesus. Jesus goes on to teach his disciples there. And they don't fully understand. And verse 13 says, then the disciples understood after the crucifixion and the resurrection in Luke 24, there's the story of some men who are walking, what we call the two guys on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus comes along and he begins to explain the scriptures to them. And they say in verse 32, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. You see, we need to understand the teaching of Jesus. His disciples asked him in Luke chapter 8 what a particular parable meant. And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. We need to receive from the glorified, magnificent Lord an understanding of the scriptures and what he wants for our life. There have been times throughout my opportunities to minister to people that some people come along and they don't understand the scriptures. And I've even had some of them, a few years ago I was doing some premarital counseling for a young couple that I was going to perform their wedding ceremony. And they came to me and at the time that they came, they were violating scriptural standards for their relationship. So when that was revealed, I began to talk to them about what the Bible said about purity in their relationship prior to marriage. 
And they said to me, and I quote, oh, it's okay, I prayed about it, and now I have peace. It's amazing how sometimes we can make the Bible say what we want it to mean, isn't it? And we need the Holy Spirit to come along to help us and to help us to understand the teachings of Jesus and that they apply to me. You see, sometimes the understanding of Jesus' principles is kind of like major surgery. You know the difference between major surgery and minor surgery? Minor surgery is when you're having surgery. Major surgery is when I'm having surgery. Right? And often we get into it, we think that the Bible applies to everyone but me. And we need Jesus to help us understand that the scripture applies to us as well. So what do we do today? Well, so you've been gracious and patient. Turn to Jesus and be transformed. I want to read you one more passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Even to this day, verses 16 through 18. But when anyone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image. Will you say transformed? Come on, say it again. Transformed. Not just transformed, but transformed into his image. With ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When my, old, when my boys, they're, they're all now, and all of our children are in their 20s and 30s. I'm not sure how they happened. How that happened, they've all caught me. They're as old as I am now. But when, uh, particularly our boys were younger, they used to play with a toy called Transformers. And it was based on a big movie series entitled Transformers. And that these machines would transform from a car or some kind of common element into this superhero that would defend the world. And my sons would take great pleasure in handing me one of those transformers and saying, now, Dad, you do it. You transform it. And I'd twist and turn, and it would never, it would never come out right. And I'd finally hand it back to them. And in just moments, they'd flip every little leg and arm, and it'd be right, and suddenly it had been transformed. And I'd say to them, show me that again. And they said, Dad, it's really simple. You just turn this, you turn that, and then boom, there it is. So I would take it, and it didn't turn. And I'd say, listen, I have a hammer. I can transform this. <laughs> and sometimes life is that way. We sense we know that something needs to be transformed. But every time we try, we just make it worse or we make no progress at all. But when we see Jesus as he is, full of majesty and glory, then he can put all the pieces just where they belong. He can take every circumstance that we thought was going to bring life or bring life and it turned out to bring death and hurt and despair. He can take all of those pieces and he can turn them right around and give us life as he originally planned for us. You see, there is no hopeless cause. There is no hopeless person because Jesus is still in the transformation business. The Jesus I know is still the one who will touch us and change us and shape us if we will look to him with full of faith 
knowing that he is indeed the one who has been glorified. It's not in your notes, but in the book of Philippians says, and he has been given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Three realms come into account when you call on the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, heaven pays attention. At the name of Jesus, hell stands in awe. At the name of Jesus, even earthly circumstances changes because he has been given the name that is above every name. The name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, cancer must flee. At the name of Jesus, broken relationships can be restored. At the name of Jesus, financial disaster can be overcome. It is the name of Jesus when we see him for who he is. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. One last story, and then we're going to pray. Several years ago, April and I were in the country of Colombia in a beautiful city named Armenia. It is in the heart of the coffee plantation district. Listen, I have to tell you, I love coffee. If I don't have coffee... I'd like to tell you it, it doesn't bear any impact on me, but sometimes <laughs> if I don't have coffee, things begin to twitch. And I love coming to Italy. My only problem in Italy is when you ask for a cup of coffee, they give you enough to make me mad. <laughs> I'm saying, listen, I don't, I don't want to swallow. I want a cup of coffee. Come on, find something bigger. I'll bring it with me. I need more. We were in the coffee-growing regions, beautiful area. Mountains, rolling hills, wonderful people. And we were there with a large group of teenagers and young adults ministering. We had divided into teams. It was a large group. We had divided into teams of 10, 12, 15. And we went with a group. And the young people are doing the ministry and us. Us mature folks, we're just there to support and love. And we went into a school in the afternoon of teenagers. It is one of the top three occasions that I have experienced the presence of the Lord at this level. In that school, just going to do a program. Sure, we're going to share Jesus, but there's a program. We're going to witness, we're going to testify, we're going to preach. But in the school in Armenia that afternoon, the Holy Spirit fell. And the presence was so real, even talking about it, I still feel some of the emotion of that afternoon. And as the Holy Spirit began to move, there was a young man there who I guess was about 15 years of age, whose face had been significantly scarred through acne. You couldn't help but notice one of those that when you saw him, you, you'd look and then you'd try not to look because his face was so scarred. And the Holy Spirit fell that day. And that young man began to reach up to Jesus. And God touched him, changed his heart and his life. And in the midst of that wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this young man began to testify 
with tears streaming down his face in front of his classmates. There must have been 40 or 50 classmates in that room that day. And with tears streaming down his face in this culture of macho manhood, in this culture where you can't show any kind of weakness, in that culture with his tears streaming down his face, he said, I've been ashamed all these years because of the way I look. I have thought that no one would love me or could love me or has loved me because of my appearance. There are people who turn away from me and I know it's because of the way I look. But I have found Jesus and I recognize that he loves me. Jesus has come into my heart and I feel completely different. For today I know that I am loved in spite of how I look, that I am loved and that he will love me for the rest of my life. And his entire countenance changed the way he stood, his shoulders back saying, I know that God loves me. And as he began to testify, the Holy Spirit just said, here, have a little bit more. As he began to testify, the Holy Spirit said, here, get a little more of this. And suddenly the move of the Spirit broke out. And I watched as those teenagers who had been mocking and laughing began to lift their hands and praise to Jesus. Some of them repented of their sins. They came to the Lord. They experienced the power. When we stand in the presence of the Lord Almighty, transformation happens. Will you stand with me? Today you've heard a word from the Lord. And I believe God has spoken to you. So if you say this prayer with me, I know God can change your life. They're saying it live here in Rome right now with me because God can change your life. God has a plan for you. I've told you that. And I want you to believe it with all of your heart. So will you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life this day. Change me. Help me, I pray, oh God. I'm going to live for you. Friend, if you've just said that prayer, I can tell you that God has just changed you and has come into your life. Now, I believe that today you may have listened to this and you've known that God already lives in your life. Well, God wants to speak to you and help you. So I'm going to pray a second prayer, and that prayer is for a miracle to happen for you this day. I believe in miracles. I know you do as well. So let's pray and let God touch you right where you're listening to this sermon. Lord, I thank you today for my friend that has heard this message. Lord, I know that they have needs and situations that's going on in their life. God, you're a big God and you hear and answer our prayers. So today, oh God, will you hear this prayer from your humble servant? God, will you answer this prayer on my new friend's behalf? Will you heal them? Will you touch them? Will you guide them? Lord, come in right now, wherever they're listening, Lord, and answer their prayer. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. If you've just said that prayer and listened to that prayer with me, I know that God has spoken to you. Would you do me a big favor? You're going to see, scrolled on the bottom of this, a website with an email address. If you said the prayer that said, God, come into my heart, or today you're believing with me for a miracle, I want you to drop us a quick note and say, hey, pastor, I want you to continue to pray for me and my family. You know, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And I'll guarantee you, your best days are still in front of you. So God bless you and join us next week.